Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Teach Golf. Um, done a few of these now. Um, Travelled around Hampshire, Surrey, been out to the States, been into Switzerland. And again, I'm going back out into Europe and I'm speaking with my good friend Stuart Morgan. Stuart, how are you? I'm very good, Duncan. How are you, man? Very Thanks good. for having me on. No problem at all. Looking forward to this. Um, I would like to hear a little bit about you, how you grew up, how you got into the game and how you ended up at the facility you are now. So I'll hand it over to you. Give us your backstory. Perfect. So um, grew up in a small town in mid Wales called Llandrindod Wells. Um, I won't get ask any of the uh, people to try and pronounce that. Um, <laughs> we uh, So um, basically got into it. My grandfather kind of he was my grandfather and my grandmother were kind of avid golfers. Neither my mum or my dad um, played. My dad played football and I kind of played a bit of that as well. But um, my grandfather, really, and then he tragically passed away when I was really young. Okay. Um, and my grand kind of like took over that, that side of things. So, you know, we had a great golf club there. It was very open to junior golfers. And we had a massive junior section with a lot of friends and um, kind of friendly competition as well. So that's kind of where it, where it started um from there i did my pga training mm-hmm. um in monmouthshire golf club in abergavenny yep. um the guy i was kind of working under there was a guy called brian edwards and he was kind of a quite a well-known coach in that area and he uh, one of his, he used to work at a celtic manor when keith williams who was yes. then the indian national coach for england and he was um he always used to kind of pop in and i'd get to kind of chat to him and that was really when i started to um, really kind of get into the, the coaching or the teaching aspect then. Mm-hmm. And my boss had all, you know, had Rick Smith, David Ledbetter videos and stuff. And he's kind of like quiet days in the middle of winter. You kind of sit down in the back of the golf yeah. shop when there's nobody around and you just kind of, you know, watch these kind of videos. And that's, it sort of fueled my passion there. And I always thought, okay, what do I do now? I didn't, I didn't necessarily see my future staying in Wales okay. and, um i got put in contact with um with somebody and i ended up at silvermere um which is um down near st george's hill way and i ended up um teaching down there doing kind of one shift in the shop and um and then the rest of the time you know it's one of the most you know, i mean you know what it's like it's so busy down there and you kind of like working well you could work as much as you wanted to oh, basically yeah. Yeah, And um, it was a real, you know, we had some kind of really good kind of guys, forward thinking guys who my director of instruction at that time was a guy called Darren May. And Darren, you know, went over to, you know, he was at the Bears Club and a very kind of, again, thinking kind of coach. Um, And as when I was down there, I then got put in contact with somebody IMG. Okay. um, Because I wanted to kind of get into the more into the you know, full-time coaching thing. And um, it was kind of progressing that way. And I ended up working for David Ledbetter Academy. Okay. So that was my first jaunt into Europe. I came over to, to Austria, did some seasons to Spain, to Mexico. Um, and then when I, when I finished over here, I, I, I mean, I was very, very lucky. Whereas I stayed in contact with Led. And even when I wasn't involved in the academies and, you know, went to some tour events with him and kind of watched him, you know, do his craft, basically. Yeah. 
And it was from that I then ended up teaching a few tour pros myself. And I was pretty young. To, I mean, I think I was like around 25 or something like that. And, you know, when I look back at it, I was like, you know, you, you probably should have a license or something to kind of do, <laughs> to do that, to be quite honest. And was that out in the States um, or was that in Europe or both? That was a kind of a, I was, I was primarily based in Europe, but we used to do kind of some stints over to the, um, over to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I used to look after, um, there was a guy over in Europe who kind of was playing on European tour. And he, we used to sometimes go over to, to champions gate to kind of get, led's consultation and then we kind of come back over to europe so that's kind of how it how it worked for a period of time mm. then decided after a, you know a few years it was um, i had a few clients on my own it's time to kind of go it alone yep. ended up um uh, getting the director of instructions job at the grove yep. um, which hosted a wgc and you know you get to you know we got to hang out with kind of tiger and watch him I was lucky enough to kind of get inside the ropes and watch him play a practice round during that time, have a chat to Hank Haney, who was his coach at the time, Stevie Williams. So just, you know, and during the time on tour, just being very fortunate to be able to pick the brains of, you know, Claude Harmon, yeah. the third, was was actually on coaching on the European tour at that time. So chatting to him, Pete Cowan was always kind of very, very open to kind of um, to speak to and and consult with and, um, and yeah, and you know, once I, I, I kind of was like self-employed and then, you know, freelancing after I left the Grove at Mill Ride yep. and in Ascot and had a base there and, you know, mini tour players, elite amateurs and kind of main tour players on the ladies side and the men's side. Mm-hmm. And then after a period of time, um, my wife was working in London at the, at this particular time and we had, we just had our our first child was like one mm. and we just, and we decided that, you know, the UK wasn't really for us okay. anymore. And, and I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in when you start asking questions and you start looking for certain things and you're not happy with things, other opportunities kind of arise. Yep. And I went over, I, I, a friend of mine who I met when I was working for, for lead um, called Kevin Smeltz. He was then the director of instruction at a junior golf Academy in South Carolina. So I reached out to him and we kind of chatted and I went over there to, um, to kind of look at the facilities with the view of going over there as an instructor. Okay. Well, what happened was I got over there and we kind of looked around and then I came back and it kind of went quiet. And then he went to a different facility And they and they offered me the director of instructions role, wow. so I went so I went over again to look at it and and meet a few different people and whatnot, and took the plunge and went over to the U.S. for two years. Yeah. R- you know, really enjoyed it. Um, we'd had a, a, another child at that time over there, and you know, as they kind of grow up, it was very much well. Do we you know do we stay over here or do we you know move back to Europe where we're closer to family and stuff like yeah. that? And that was really what fueled the decision a year ago to move back over my wife's from Austria. Okay. So we kind of moved back over here and that's kind of where I've been now. And uh, at the moment I'm the performance manager for the Swiss um, pro team, yep. which was, um, which was kind of a role that was created to help, you know, amateurs coming through and kind of young pros, you know, wanting to make, um, make it on, you know, challenge tour, European tour, LPGA tour, 
and to ultimately give them some support and some kind of guidance when they make the plunge, rather than just saying the Federation were very open-minded of creating this this role, um, the ASG in Switzerland, to say, you know, it's not right that we just say, okay, they've played all these years for the Federation, and when they turn pro, we just say goodbye. Yeah. You know, it was... Uh, and, you know, there are other federations and, and systems that kind of do that now as well, yeah. but it's that that's kind of how the role was created. I've been doing that a year and thoroughly enjoying it. Like really, really good. Also kind of doing kind of coaching on the side as well because I have a 50% mandate with them. But, um, you know, traveling, meeting all different kind of people again and and, uh, just trying to unlock the key for these players to, you know, to jumpstart and and get themselves up the ladder. So do you have a home, your home facility is where? Yeah, so my home facility is um, it's called Writers Reserve. So Writers Golf and Country Club, and it's in Batatzmersdorf in eastern Austria. It's probably most famous. Um, it's, well, Ben Wiesberger, yeah. who's, who plays in Europe, he's, atta- he's actually at the same facility as where I am. Brilliant. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of good. We get to hang out a little bit when he's, you know, when he's home and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's, 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 for me, it's like a little hidden gem. It has 27 holes. So it has like an academy course. Um, 18 hole course as he has a 360 degree range nice. a bit a bit like orange county but quite not but not quite as long okay. um but you know multiple different tees depending on what you want to do floodlit massive floodlit putting green short game area um artificial surface um putting green which actually ben put in for for himself from a um from a speed perspective yeah. two ho- two hotels so a five-star hotel and a four-star all-inclusive. So it's um, it, it's a great facility. It didn't, I mean, there's nothing you can't really do there, to be quite honest. So, I mean, it just sounds it does sound amazing. I mean, can you can you hit uh, a golf ball from one side of the range to the other? Because you, I mean, you can't get anywhere near it, Orange County. Nowhere near. I mean, from what basically where where I tee, I, I go kind of down. It's a it's a little bit kind of elevated from the top to the bottom. I mean, if Ben kind of gets up there, yeah, he can. Yeah. Um, but when we go, normally we'll go, to, I'll go with kind of clients to a slightly different tee where it's flatter yeah. and you kind of hit towards the, the short game area down the far end and you can't get there then. Brilliant. So it's only when you go up to the more the elevated tee that you can kind of hit. Um, you can, you know, um, but we're talking probably, you know, one, two percent of golfers yeah. that might be able to kind of get it down there. Okay to be honest. So, um, so yeah, it's great. It's great in that aspect. So what now, um, with regards to the lessons that you actually give there, what's, what, yeah. what type of lessons do you give and kind of walk us through what happens in a lesson with you? Cause I guess if you're working with, um, elite amateurs, uh, mini tour pros, tour pros, uh, male and female and, and, and what comes around with that, do do you have a consultation beforehand or is it a case of that if I wanted to, I could just go on to a website and book in a, an hour's lesson with you in a couple of weeks time. And we could, you, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have met me before until we shake hands at the start of the lesson. What, what kind of happens? Yeah. So yeah, I don't do that. Um, I, so basically you, there will be a consultation at the start. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's really, initial meeting i if i if it's possible mm. 
my 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 ideology is I, I like to go and see them play. If it's a if it's an elite amateur or a pro or mini tour pro or tour pro, I actually do like to go and watch them compete if possible, yeah. uh, and see kind of what's going on there to start with. And you you know you get a, just a snapshot, and sometimes it's kind of different, but at least you get an idea of what um, of kind of what's happening. Um, if not, then they you know they can come to me. I can go to them. Yeah. Um, and we, I, I'll always go on the golf course with them to start with. Um, and I'll, you know, chat a little bit, kind of get to know the person. If it's a junior also get to know the, the parent as well. Cause you know, I think they're vitally important in that whole, I mean, that whole mix. Yeah. And then, um, I basically go through some questions with them. I want to find out, you know, I'm a big believer in if you don't know where a player has come from. I think it's very hard to to kind of help guide them to where they want to go because there's so many kind of social aspects of them growing up and who who they socialize around them you know in that present moment as well who are the influences what happens in in what happened when they're in school in university you know et cetera et cetera and just go through there's no real formal um what i say questioning it kind I kind of just see where it goes. Yeah. But I but I record it, right? Yeah. So, and then and then I listen to it back, because when I record it, sometimes, well, so, what basically what I want to do is when I'm speaking to someone, I want to listen to them, yeah. right? And I want to see rather than trying to write stuff down at the same time, mm-hmm. I I want to be give them my hundred percent attention and see what they're doing. So once, and then I'll listen to the whole thing back and I'll put it into. Um, I do then put it into a spreadsheet and, and look at, you know, the biopsychosocial elements of um, of performance and see cross-reference it with some research that I've read and, and whatnot and see where are the barriers that may kind of crop up, where are the positive aspects, and then really put a framework together of where this person, um, from a human standpoint, how we can kind of help kind of guide them. Okay. Um, I then also get them to do um, a self-evaluation on their golf element and also on PCDEs. Yeah. And this is the, the only reason I get them to do this is because I want to bring awareness to it to start with. And I want to try and encourage them to get into this process themselves. Um, and then we kind of formalize everything start chatting to them based on their budgets, what they're, what they want to do and create a very, very bespoke program mm-hmm. for them. Um, and it's monthly. So it's monthly retained. Okay. And so initially they need to do a three months. So it's a minimum of three months. Yeah. Um, and based on, again, what their budget is, what they, what they want, what my kind of advice is, mm-hmm. we then put a package together, you know, for them. We constantly, you know, we're reviewing every eight to 12 weeks, kind of staying on top of things. Yeah. Um, into play, we, you know, we, if we're working on something, I'll chuck a retention test in there somewhere. Um, and I'll also, all of a sudden, if I go and get to watch them play or kind of go on the golf course, looking at kind of transfer testing as well, just making sure that the process is, you know, is flowing to where we want it to go. So and it and it tests me as well as a coach, right? I mean, that's ultimately 
yeah. I don't think we kind of pay enough attention to that personally, Dunk. I think that sometimes we take it for granted totally... that, you know, what we're doing, the player is ultimately just, fl- just going with it. And I think as a coach, we owe it to them yeah. and we owe it to ourselves to, to test our self and to test them to whether whatever information or you know, guidance you're giving them that it is, you know, it is being retained and they are understanding it and in their own terms as well. So I know that sounds kind of like a lot, but it is kind of chunked down into, you know, f- initial meeting and then we just kind of get everything laid out to start with and then we ultimately go to work. So Stuart, talk to me about, uh, I think you mentioned transfer testing. So what's transfer testing and then retention testing? Yeah, so I, I guess transfer testing is, I guess it's a fancy word for watching somebody on the field of play, yeah. right? So it's if whatever you've been working on. So everything that I will do, you know, in my golf coaching has context to what they want to do on the golf course. Um, so when you um, when you're going through this process, we're always trying to you know move this to 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 happening on the field of play on the golf course, whether it's in a tournament or just playing with their um, with their friends initially, and then we go or I just take them on the golf course and I watch them play. I might give them some kind of constraints task on there and actually see and just view to see if it's actually stuff that we've been doing. Is it um, is it transferring to the golf course? And then I kind of make some notes and then we can kind of review it together. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've got retention testing, which is, you know, this can be done at any time. It can be done on the lesson yeah. tee. You can just move, move somebody onto the golf course as well. It's ultimately a way of testing myself and also testing the player to see. Uh, so I might just go, okay, show me what we did last you know, last week or two weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, and it's a way of me knowing, you know, do I need to kind of fill some gaps um, in their knowledge? And do we need to go over something again? What did they, what did they remember? What did they take in? Do I need to kind of do something different um, for them to, um, for them to take in? And it's really just for me also to say, you know, am I doing my job as well? So not just, giving information and go yeah. and saying, yeah, they're going to do, do whatever. It's really about us as well. And we have to question ourselves as golf coaches, yeah. um, which is my belief. And anyway. would, you, would you say this is something that you've always done or is this something relatively maybe within the last five or 10 years of your coaching that you've actually. Yeah, it's, it's new. I mean, it's, I would say it's, it's, it's newer than that, newer than that, really. I would say in the last maybe, two and a half years, okay. um, three years maybe. Um, and it definitely started to kind of cement home when I, I got to um, chat to some kind of, you know, motor learning experts called, you know, Dr. Will Wu, who's, a, um, who's, who's really, really yeah. good. Um, also some, you know, Dr. Anders Ericsson, um, Dr. Robert Bjork about kind of, you know, what we're doing and how we're actually learning and memorizing and, and um, things like this, Dr. Tim Lee, who's probably one of the one of the nicest, greatest guys you could ever speak to, and, and very, very humble. Dr. Fran Pirazzolo, you know, so, so there's a, you know people I would kind of I call them and they're my advisory board really, and I you know I have a good relationship with a lot of them that I can 
send an email to if I'm not sure about something and, um, and, or just pick up the phone to them really. And, uh, it's not formal academia, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's my way of doing it. Yeah, no, which is great. So would you, is there any, if, if I can, without going a little bit off script, is there a kind of, um, would you, for the coaches out there and also for the players out there, is there any, is there kind of any papers or more so, is there any books that might be in more, for me, I need it in more layman's terms that people should maybe look into getting? Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the, um, if you look, if, uh, Anders Ericsson's book, Peak, um, that's a really kind of good yeah. read. Um, I also think Dave Allred's book is yeah. um, is really good as well, The Pressure yeah. Principle. So, you know, things like I'm reading a book at the moment called the performance context and it's um, you know, it's relative it's to do with the neuroscience of kind of athletes and, and whatnot. And some of, some of it, he does reference some um, papers in there, but again, it's a, it's a pretty simple read yeah. to be quite honest. Um, so those are the ones that kind of spring to mind, um, you know, as we're talking yeah, here. Very good. Now um, we spoke a lot about, you know, you're watching them on the golf course, you're putting them in, there I, I can use it, I hopefully can use it, the game-like training situations. Yeah, absolutely, so yeah. What tech or what training aids do you use, or is that something you used to do and have, have kind of moved away from now? Um, speak a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will still use, um, you know, I'll still use some TrackMan now and again. I mean, um, if, and if I need to, um, and I feel that, you know, for example, if somebody comes to me and they, you know, they need to, their body's in a mess or they need to generate some more speed, then I'll generally refer them to go and see somebody do maybe some 3D or some, you know, force plates or, you know, whatnot. But ultimately, uh, on a, on a, you know, I think from a trackman standpoint, it gives, it's great for yardages and it's great for, um, just kind of refining things. And I think it's improved. It's kind of taken away that it's almost made people's golf swings. They can be quirky, but they can actually match things up a little bit more. So it's, it's easier. It's easier to generate feels and things like that of, of what's going on. So I can't, I do like that, Mm -hmm. but ultimately I've definitely gone more down. This is all great, but the best technology we have is our brain. So if we know how to take this information as coaches and then put it into practical things, you know, on the lesson tee or wherever for, um, for the player and they, they can understand how to learn and how to, how to segment their practice, there is no better technology in, in my view. And if we can, you know, if we can go more down that road, then, um, I think people will, they'll improve, uh, they actually improve slower, but they retain the information better. Yeah. No, for, that, that, yeah, that, that, that's great for me. That. So, uh, but I will say one of the other things which I have, which has got introduced to me, which I think is fantastic. It's yeah. the co- coach now used to be Edify. Yeah. Um, I still classes that as technology because yeah. I think that um, it kind of, it's like a filing system in some ways. And if you kind of use the tags, right, you can always kind of rehash things and, um, and it's easy to get the team environment kind of 
into that as well. So that, you know, that's been great too. Brilliant. And then, so <laughs> all the other coaches have answered it and no one spent much more than I think 30 or 40 pounds or 30 or 40 dollars. <laughs> so I might have to... Again, I'm thinking about reconsidering the actual uh, the actual budget. But if you had a hundred, <laughs> if you had a hundred euros, um, what would you get? What would you spend it on? That things that you would need for your environment, your coaching environment, and what would you if if the players only had a hundred euros to spend on training aids or bits and pieces that you would want them to have? Um, what would you what would you get them to spend the money on if you wouldn't mind? If it was, if I was recommending a player to do it, yeah. I would say, I would first say add a little bit more to it and sign up for decade. Yeah, um, Fawcett stuff. Scott's great. Yeah, Scott's. And the reason, but if they can't, it is just a hundred. I'd say golf metrics. Okay. Yeah. So because Brody's one. Yeah. Yeah, Brody. So I th- for me like. I have a student, I have a kind of a client at Columbia. So we, I, you know, I've, I've had some emails back and forth. I, I know Scott and the best thing I think for, for even a, a general golfer, you go into the stats and whatnot and it's great, but what they really help with in my view is strategizing. Yeah. And actually, because if somebody doesn't have so much time, right. I'm, I mean, if they understand what they're doing a little bit, a little bit better, and they know where they can be aiming and what they can be doing. I mean, they can shave huge amounts of shots off their round of golf. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been huge. Meeting Scott out at the Plain Truth Summit. Um, and then again, having him present to the England golf coaches. You know, Scott's impacted my coaching hugely, especially for on the golf course. It highlighted just how bad I was as a junior player or as a young <laughs> I mean, I was, I mean, I might have been a 28 handicapper for strategy on a golf course. <laughs> you can ask, you can ask quite a few people who have ever played golf. With you, but, you know, there's Bubba golf and then there was dunk golf as well. So it was, uh, um, you know, it's one of the things Scott always says is unless you can pull the shot off nine times out of 10, you can't play it. Yeah, I was always that time. I think this is the one out of ten I can. But, yeah, yeah. But now, and I, you know, and I also think he's really helped in this. In I think we get kind of we get blinded a little bit by how good Tiger was at times, oh, and how many shot, how many shots he had in his locker, yeah. right? And I just, you know, and I was the same, right? When I was a younger coach, I'd look at this and go, and I'd walked walked around with him and seeing all the different flights and shapes and whatnot, and and not just like draws and fades, the 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 amount that he drawed and faded it as well. Yeah. But I think where Scott has kind of looked at it, and this helps, and I got attaching the the stats as well, is one time management. What are you you know what are you actually doing that's going to impact your score? Yeah. You don't need to hit all these shots. You know you can, and and if you know what you're doing, if you're just moving it one way, that's fine. And just know how what you're doing. Yeah. I remember, I remember being with, with Phil Price. Uh, I think we might have been at Woburn. And he's like turning it right to left. And, and you know, I'm looking at this in my rose-tinted glasses thinking, what is going on here? Like, And he goes out, shoots four under because he just knows what it's going to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, and absolutely, yeah. You know, and, it, and I think that from that strategy, and that's what I would say is it's, it's even before, you know, it's knowing what you do. I think, which is, and, and knowing where to put your energy. And I think when it comes to 
um, you know, strokes gained and, and what, um, what Scott does with his, with the decade stuff. I, I think it's, it's revolutionary in the sense of where people put their energy and what they do when they're on the golf course. Cause it, I mean, imagine when I, I used to think back at it and somebody say, well, you tell a player to aim down into the left rough, right? Yeah. People think you're absolutely crazy. Mm. But if you but if you can say, well, yeah, but your miss, you got out of bounds down the right, and your predominant miss is wider than that, yeah. then that's where you should be aiming. Yeah. To actually, like you said, to aim a ball in the rough, and if you hit a good shot, it might stay there. But if you actually hit your miss, you're still going to be in bounds. So we've saved you. We've saved you two yeah. strokes. It's no big deal, is it? You know, you can just kind of get it up there, you know, and then play it from there. But you're not, you're not reloading or kind of hitting into penalty hazards and. Yeah. And, um, and and also, I think when you when you look at the information that that Scott has, I always used to think every the players are more aggressive than they were. Yeah. Um, but again, what we what I think we don't realize is we see somebody flagging it on a Sunday and whatnot, but we don't know where they're aiming. No. <laughs> that's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. No, absolutely. We don't know where they're aiming so, or what shot they're trying to hit. And correct. Yeah. We just don't know that context, do we? So we kind of just see it kind of, you know, them all, almost holding it, but we just really don't know. Mm. So from a, from a value standpoint, I think that's where I would, I would recommend. It's valuable for a coach. Yeah. And, it, and it's a great way of saying, okay, do that. Do it for, a, you know, a month, two months, and then let's see kind of what's coming out with it. So we have a, a decent sample size, Good. you know, with that. Yeah. Love. And then, and then if we I don't have any any budget left. With golf metrics, I do. I then say either a notebook or a, or you know I have a practice planner, which yeah. you know knowing how to um, how to set little kind of targets and goals every day, just to stay focused on improvement. Brilliant. And then for the coaches, for the coaches, uh, I would say keep your money in your pocket and reach out to some of these professors and some of these guys that are doing the research spend the maybe spend the hundred euros or a hundred pound on your phone bill or and whatnot and they're so open and they're so um accommodating with when you ask them questions and whatnot like i mean some of the anders erickson i mean he couldn't be more if you can get hold of him he couldn't be more accommodating when you you know, I went down to meet him and, and whatnot. So I would say, get into that. Start to understand a little bit more of the stuff, the, the evidence that that is around. You know, Dave Collins to do with, yeah. you know, the, the papers Rocky Road to the Top, PCDEs, yeah. the stuff he did with Howie Carson, the Five A model. You know, get get into that. Start you know investing in maybe some papers or or, or you know stuff like that. That's that that's where I think we we're moving in the right direction in golf coaching and understanding some more of that evidence that's going on. Fantastic. So on the, on the back of that, I'm going to go away a little bit from coach education and go back to yourself as well. If you could have a yep. golf course that you could play every day for the rest of your life when it's only one golf course, although, <laughs> although most people have snuck two or three in. <laughs> I would, I would say the one, mm, I would probably say Le Golf National, where, the, where they have, where they can have the ride, where the Ryder Cup is. Yeah, um, it's just an awesome golf course. Mm. Like I mean, it just 
so much variety there and just you know just interesting and really challenging as well that you know that would be the one that, that I always say I think it's the best course in Europe personally um just from again location condition challenge you ask players on tour and they all pretty much love it there so that um that would be my one I would say fantastic and a prediction for the year my prediction for the year is Tiger wins again. Okay. I don't think he'll. Win, I don't think he'll win a major. Yeah, but I think. But I think he'll win again before the before the year's out. Okay, very good. Now, as your guest of the day, you get to ask question of the day. Now, if you want, okay. um, you can ask a couple again. If you wanted to ask one for the for the coaches, and if you wanted to ask one for the players, um, I'm more than happy to to take two. So, your question of the day. I would say to the players, um, <clears throat> how could training be more fun and productive to you? That's what that's what I would ask. So you're asking the player, how could training? How could, yeah, how could like training or practice be more fun, challenging, and productive? Okay, and then for what well, and. And the thing is with that, what I was thinking of this, right? Well, I mean, even if we get, even you get one coming back, but I'm more than happy with, if somebody wants to, they can write down what their practice would be for a week. Just um, based against, on their t- you just broke up a little so, bit there. Sorry, mate. So I, I think instead of going down the coach's route, I think from a playing standpoint, I'd be, I'd be happy. Yeah. If somebody writes down, or we can maybe we do a draw, somebody who comes back with some of the questions, or we just kind of pick one, they write down. They, you guys can reach out to me. Um, they can go and say, "This is what my practice is. This is what I'm trying to do." Yeah, and I'll take a look at that and add some different things into it to actually make it more productive and more and add more variety to it. So let's do that. Let's let let's leave kind of leave it open to the end of, or should we say the night before the Open Championship? Yeah, let's do that. We'll, let's do that. We we'll leave that one open. So anyone that listens to the to the podcast, they reach out to either myself. Uh, uh, yeah, probably best to you, and you can kind of um, or they. Well, yeah, probably best to you, Dunk. To be honest, unless they want to get in touch with me via social media or something. Yeah, I was going to say either you or I, and basically you and you and I can get together before the Open. And basically go through the like the what people have fed back with regards to their practice routines and bits and pieces, and then between us we'll pick one and we'll we'll add some value into it from there. Yeah, I think so, and I think that kind of you know then all of a sudden the, you know the people who are listening to you know to what we're doing it adds some value to them as well, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. they, we can we can try and improve what they do and and maybe just open some different ideas up. I think that would be more from a more productive side of things fantastic now how can people get a hold of you then on social media so facebook uh stuart morgan golf um instagram and twitter stuart m coaching both the same excellent and uh the website for the location that you're that you're teaching at it's uh let me just get i have to get this right because it's yeah. um it's it's writers let me just let me just check that for you uh 
So it's writers, R-E-I-T-E-R-S hyphen reserve dot A-T. Okay. Writers. So that's where, I, that's, that's where I'm based, but um, uh, I'm not attached to the academy there. So if people want to get in touch with me, they're probably just better off either social media. But they can have a look at that and have a look at the facilities and, and stuff like that. It's, um, it's pretty awesome. Great. Stuart, thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast. Um, My pleasure, sir. If you're over, if you're over in the UK, obviously give me a give me a shout, and hopefully we can meet up and have a coffee and a chat about bits, loads of different bits and pieces, which would be cool. And, Sounds um, good. We're, we're definitely going to speak before the open to pick out uh, a winner of the feedback. Um, yeah, feedback challenge, practice challenge. Fantastic. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon, mate. Thanks ever so much for coming on. Thanks, pal. No problem. We'll Appreciate it. Soon. Cheers, Thank buddy. You. Bye. Bye.